This episode was sponsored by our patrons, Rachel Kay, Jessica Smith, Tracy Steeb, Kim Hokinson, Janelise Cannon, Jill Harrigan, Jamie Lang, Maria Sanchez, Heather McKinnon, Valerie Jacobson, Chantelle Oliver, Tamzane Weir, and Caitlin McTaggart. Thank you so much for being our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Katie. Get in the time machine. <laughs> we are going to January 31st, roughly the year 550. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way back. And we're going to kill Dara in the kingdom <gasps> of Leinster, which Ooh. is in Hibernia, otherwise known as Ireland. Your favorite place. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great day because we are going to one of the great festival feast days in one of the most remarkable towns in women's history. I'm just gonna say it. Awesome. The whole town is here. They've been preparing for this magical night all winter. So here we stand amid all this hubbub and celebration, all kinds of excitement going on, and we'll explore it all. I'm taking us here today because as we head into the dark of winter in 2022, I want to set out something to look toward. Hmm. January 31st, St. Bridget's Eve. This holiday has been a huge deal in centuries past, millennia past. Hmm. It's a day of magic and fire and spring, rebirth, a new year. So, we're going to celebrate the life and the legacy of Bridget of Kildare, 6th hmm. century Irish saint good-hearted woman of generosity and goodness and the earth just so wholesome mm-hmm. she's named after the ancient fire goddess bridget and has a lot of similarities to her but it's not the same lady this bridget is patron saint of ireland that's i thought that was saint patrick aha saint patrick yes well you'll see ah <laughs> and her story's undergoing a revival today Thanks to the inspiration of three Bridgetine nuns who I met on a recent visit to Kildare. Cool. They have built a spirituality center, Solus Bride. Wow. It is a magical, glowing place of warmth and goodness. I can't, I mean, words fail. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't know it was there until I was passing through Kildare and I thought, what is this place? Who are these people? What are they about? Wow. <laughs> and they so generously met with me just completely on the fly. We sat down to tea with Sister Rita Minahan, who is uh, a saint. Uh, no fair. Why do you get to hang out with nuns? <laughs> well... Everyone gets to hang out with her for this episode, and <laughs> you will hear it radiate through her voice. This lady. So we're pouring the tea, the hospitality. <laughs> now, I hope it's okay for you. But really, what you hear is her love and passion for St. Bridget. You have to have some of Bridget's hospitality. If all were welcome, were told at her door, no one was turned away. She loved the poor, the sick, the sore, and helped them on their way. Often got her into trouble too. <laughs> and these Bridgetine nuns are dedicated to restoring her story, mm. bringing her back because they say that the time is now 
for Bridget of Kildare. Her story is for us Actually, today. I might take hmm. cake now because I know I'm going to be having lunch shortly, but you have some. Those are home bakes made by Kildare Women Country Market, so it's home. And lucky us, Sister Rita will be our guide today through this festival. And we'll explore the town square and the abbey. We'll go through the folk rituals of the holiday. And because we're women, we can even visit the eternal flame. And in the end, we will know St. Bridget for ourselves. Hmm. Cool. I'm Katie Nelson. And I'm Olivia Mickle. And this is What's Her Name? Fascinating women you've never heard of. Okay, let's start. And um, my name is Rita, Rita Minahan. I'm a Bridgeting sister, and I'm based here now in Kildare town, the homeland of St. Bridget, St. Bridget of Kildare. And just to say maybe my background, just tell you a little bit about my background. I was born in a country village in County Tipperary, and I was went to school to the Bridgeting sisters, and I was very much inspired by them at a younger age and decided to become a sister of St. Bridget. So for a long part of my life, I, was, I went to college and trained as a teacher, a second level teacher, and taught in some of our Bridgeting schools. And then I retrained as a psychotherapist at a stage and I worked with women who have been trafficked into Ireland for sexual exploitation. And that was an extraordinary experience in my life. And then I came on here to Kildare because we were witnessing a huge resurgence of interest in Bridget of Kildare. And we opened a spirituality centre here for Bridget. And it is really promoting Bridget of Kildare, her legacy, and how it speaks to us in our world today. Kildare actually owes its existence to Bridget because prior to Bridget's time, it was known as Drim Cree, Ridge of Clay. And by building her monastery close to an oak tree, the name changed from Drimcree to Kildare, Kildara, Church of the Oak. Oh, I saw the uh, acorn. That's right. It's so important, yeah. the acorn in the whole history of Bridget. Oh, and the I oak. wondered why it was there. There. With that beautiful sculpture. So it's the beautiful, oak the oak seed inside. Yeah. Powerful, yes, powerful. Oh. So that's. So much, it's synonymous with Kildare. Really. It's synonymous with, and we're here now in the Kildara room. Mm. And it's, it's really a conference center. It's multi-purpose. We have concerts here. We have, you know, workshops here. We welcome people from all over the world to this space. People who come here who are interested in British of Kildare and the heritage and the legacy that she has left us. We welcome people of all faiths and no faith to this center. And the vision of the centre, it's on unfolding the legacy of St. Bridget and her relevance for today. We just don't go back into the fifth century and stay there. And has she something to say to us today?
Fado, Fado, as we said it long, long ago. Fado, Fado. <laughs> long, long ago, maybe the year 450, Bridget was born to an Irish warlord and either his lovely noble wife or a slave, depending on which biography you believe. Mm. From the start, she was special. She seemed to have a connection to fire and thus maybe was named after the fire goddess because of that. So it could be like a nickname she's known as Bridget. And she's just so warm-hearted. Excerpt from the Middle Irish Homily of St. Bridget, edited by Whitley Stokes. Bridget was born at sunrise, neither within nor without a house. Bathed in milk, her breath revives the dead. A house in which she is staying flames up to heaven. A fiery pillar rises up from her head. At first, it's little things like, um, she hangs her cloak on a ray of sunlight and it supports it. Hmm. She gives away all of her butter and the butter magically refills itself. Uh, She gives away all her bacon. She gives away her father's pig and they magically restore themselves. Birds, even birds of prey, they come to her. They land on her hand. She just clearly has this warm connection to the earth and all of its creatures. And as we wander on this feast day through the town square, we can see that there are bards everywhere singing hymns about Bridget. (laughs) And one of the remarkable things is just how many times she is called the Mary of the Gales. (laughs) The Gales, like, like the winds? As in Gaelic people. Oh! She is the Mary of Ireland. Wow. Even at that stage, she portrayed the feminine face of God for the people. Mm -hmm. And the extraordinary thing, that the people canonized her. I mean, she was never canonized by Rome, which was the people. That uh, they called her Mura Namoya, Mary of the Irish. And she wasn't just like Mary, the mother of God. She was their Mary. Bridget was their Mary, you know, in the early stories. That That she was so, to her, she was their mother. I suppose it was what she was about and the qualities she stood for like the woman of the earth, caring for planet Earth, the woman of hospitality, the peacemaker. Probably the most famous story is about when she's young, living at her father's house, and a beggar comes calling. Bridget looked around, could find nothing to give him in their pantry, and saw her father's precious jeweled sword, and gave it to the poor man so that he could go and barter it and get food to feed his family. So a sword, a weapon of war, of war was transformed into something life-giving in her hands. Now, like many saint stories, as she grows older, she becomes very beautiful. Everyone wants to marry her, and her father <laughs> is getting ready to marry her off to some nobleman, and she's having none of it. And to stop it from happening, she burst one of her eyeballs. So oh. she wouldn't be beautiful anymore. Wow. Uh, It worked. Nobody wanted to marry her anymore. Her father said, okay, you can become a nun instead. And her eye miraculously grew back. She feels called to build a monastery. She needs land. And this is one of the other most famous stories about her. She goes to the local king and she says, I would like some land. They want to build a holy space 
for women. And he said, no. And Bridget being Bridget persisted and persisted. And he got so annoyed with her that he said, throw down your cloak and I'll give you as much land as your cloak will cover. And we're told that as Bridget threw down her cloak on the ground, she took with her four sisters and each caught a corner of her cloak and they ran in all directions. It spread and spread and spread until it covered the entire 5,000 acres of the Curragh of Kildare. And you know, the Curragh Plain, the interesting thing, the Curragh Plain was known as St. Bridget's Pastures up until about the 15th century. I remember being fascinated with it. And every time we'd pass as children through Kildare, even as children driving to Dublin, you know, the Curragh was magic. That's where Bridget's cloak spread and spread and spread, no. we thought. And, you know, it, there's a metaphorical spreading around the world today. It's a kind of a metaphor for what, for what has happened. Because the migrants and the monks going out from Ireland at that stage, they carried her name and her spirit across the world. And she went out at different stages to different parts of the world. And we have people come here from all over the world. Amazing. There are trace elements of British all over the world. Some perhaps as a goddess and some a saint. So it's part of the story, yeah. part of the ever-widening story. Tradition holds she built a double monastery for women and men here in Kildare towards the end of the fifth century. Now, we're dealing really with pre-recorded history and the historical facts are minuscule, but we do have, we do have a treasure trove of hagiography, Christian writings, customs, poems, uh, folklore, traditions, prayers, anything you name it, we have it about Bridget and, you know, about her. So we can glean a picture of a historical woman. But how the monastery got started, uh, historians are of the opinion that prior to Bridget's time, it was a pagan sanctuary and priests and priestesses would have gathered on the low hill of Kildare to pray, to intercede for, with the gods and the goddesses for good crops and good harvests and all the rest. And we do not know how this pagan sanctuary was transformed into a Christian monastery. There are various theories about it, that perhaps the head priestess may have become Christian because it was a transitional time in Irish history. And local people would tell us there was never any doubt as to who was in charge in Kildare. British offered unique leadership in 5th century Ireland, which is amazing that we have a female voice coming from a male-dominated yes. patriarchal world. You know, amazing, amazing, amazing. So from the town square here, look up on the hill. Do you see that sanctuary surrounded mm -hmm. by a circular hedge row that's almost like a fence? Oh, yes. That is the site. Let's go. Only women are allowed within the hedge. Ooh. Where 19 holy women are tending an eternal flame. <laughs> 19. 19, That's yes. That's an unusual number. The 20th one was Bridget before she died. Hmm.
nice in fires. I know we have to be so careful of our environment and all the rest, but we notice it here too. A fire, there's something about fire that draws you. Mm-hmm. Fire, we have fires deep in ancient part of our being. Mm-hmm. The first fireball of flaring for 13.7 billion years ago. I think it's, it's kind of touching into that fire again. They take turns keeping vigil over the flame. Hmm. And so each night you have a different woman tends the flame all night long. It's a miraculous flame. So even though it's constantly burning, it does never produce ashes. Hmm. And one by one, each woman takes her turn. On the 20th night though, the night when Bridget of Kildare, it used to be her turn. These holy sisters prepare the flame and then look up to the heavens and say, Bridget, tend your fire tonight, it's your turn. Hmm. And they leave it. And she, her spirit, tends the flame for that night. Cool. When Gerald of Wales, a Welsh topographer, visited Ireland in the 12th century, it's on historical record, he visited Kildare and the, nun, the fire was still blazing and was being tended by nuns of St. Bridget. But now other historians have a question mark over the nuns part. Were they some wild women or something that were <laughs> keeping this flame alive outside of the pre- even the Christian tradition? But I don't know. I can't give you the real history of it. Nobody can, I think. But definitely did have pagan connotations in the early days. Just like some of them got absorbed and assimilated totally into Christianity, whereas others didn't. The one that the fire for us would have been the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, in her lifetime, she's not just in charge of the flame and the sanctuary. She's in charge of the whole plain of Kildare. The whole thing? Whoa. She is a bishop. She is bishop what? of Kildare. What? I know. And the story of how she was invested is pretty delightful. Oh, yeah. This is something I didn't tell you now. <laughs> this is recorded in a later life, not in the earlier one. Okay. This one is about ninth century life, the Betu Breed, the life of Bridget. Uh, there's a legend there, legend, question mark, uh, when the bishop was praying over Bridget at her consecration as a sister, he said the wrong prayer for the ordination. He said the prayer for the ordination of a bishop. So Bridget was ordained the bishop by accident. On, by accident or by design. It wasn't by accident. I, that's what I tell you about coincidences right. and all the rest. And uh, she did have the authority of a bishop. Now, uh, some would say there's no foundation, but at a synod of bishops in 1152 in Kells, one of the acts of the synod was to revoke the title of bishop from the abbess of Kildare in 1152. So now, what does that mean? Truly? (laughs) Yeah, so that the women love to hear that today. Now, that later sexism that got her bishop status revoked is also the source of a kind of rivalry between Bridget and Patrick. (laughs) Because both of them brought Christianity to Ireland at the same time. And centuries later, there's this big rivalry. Who is the true patron saint of Ireland? Mm. And all, I, both sides were trying to promote their saints. Armagh, Patrick, and 
Kildare Bridget. And of course, we all know who won. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's, where, where's Bridget born? Where's she from? Like, who brings Christianity she, to Ireland, but ah, from... she's from Ireland. Okay. So yeah. she wins because Patrick's not even Irish. Yeah. He's yep. Welsh, right? Mayo and yeah. suck it. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. However, Ireland as a nation didn't exist right, back sure, then. There right. was no notion of yeah. an Irish identity. <laughs> there was like Connacht and Leinster and Ulster. But she's the Gales. Yeah, she's the and Gales. And he's not. Oh, yeah, but actually he was because he's oh, from yeah, Wales, which is the same thing. Yeah. Okay, well, there goes fine. your nationalistic argument, but fine. Fine. <laughs> if you the new the real St. Patrick, the man, you know, the shepherd and the story, the confessio, if you read that, just a lovely, humble, lovely, humble mm. man and totally commercialised and brutalised almost. And that's why we don't want that to happen to Bridget, especially, you know, how we celebrate her and how we remember her. We don't want to commercialise her. But here's one delightful modern way that her role is being recognized. We have no female bishops in the Catholic Church, as you know, but in the Church of Ireland today, there's one female, plenty of priests, but one female bishop in the country, and she is the Bishop of Kildare. I mean, Pat Story is her name. Pat, a woman bishop. Really? Yeah. Today? Today. Ah. Almost eerie. <laughs> History repeating itself. Now we exit the hedgerow of the holy site again. And let's join in the festivities of St. Bridget's Eve, the night before St. Bridget's Day. Hmm. It's very significant. It's the eve of the day she died, February 1st. But Hmm. February 1st is also an ancient Irish holiday in bulk. She's associated so much with the earth because her feast day coming at Imbolc time, it's the beginning of the agricultural year in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of everything is waking up from its winter sleep, if you like, because the earth is so barren. And mm-hmm. As you can imagine in Ireland, and the ice and the snow and the, the dryness of the earth, the barrenness of the earth. So the first flowers are beginning to appear in the Irish landscape and the little shoots of green coming up everywhere. So it's the beginning of new life. There's a poem in Ishtakta Nari began Law Dolkin is Thresh the Vela Breed our Doimemiol. Now that spring has come, and the days are getting longer and I can raise my sails and go out to sea again. You know, that it's new life and things can happen. Mm. And it's the beginning of agricultural production, you know, for the farmers, the sowing of the seeds, the turning of the clay, the sods and so very much the uh, the custom, I suppose some of the customs associated with her. All right, now come over here. This is the um, weaving station. Ooh. This is something we do always the night before on St. Bridget's Eve. We are going to weave a Bridget's cross. Hmm. There's a bunch of different forms, but the basic idea is you've got a cross with all, all the same length sides, and it's made of rushes or grass, hmm. or something like that. It's made from nature. So you, you mindfully gather together the rushes, You sit down and you mindfully weave this cross. You weave into it all your hopes, all of your fears, all of your loves, everything about who you are and what you're afraid of and what you hope for. And parts of the country, when they weave the cross, they used to put in maybe a little piece of potato or a seed 
for the new year. And then when the time for sowing the potatoes came and the crops and the seeds, they would take out the seed from the Bridget's cross, she would protect it, and they'd mix it with their bucket of seeds and take off to sow their seeds. You see, <laughs> that she would protect the seeds and give them abundance. And then you hang the Bridget's cross above your door. Huh. Well, that's interesting too, because rushes, rushes are used for lighting, right? You, you make rush lights, mm. you, you mm-hmm. burn them like candles the light yeah and so this is a light it's a cross uh-huh. made of light isn't it beautiful yeah and in fact so you hang it up you in many traditions you leave it up for an entire year and then when you make the new one for the next year hmm. you take the old one and burn it yeah and then you use those ashes in your garden and ah. it blesses the garden some other traditions they plant it in the ground which is cool because it's full of seeds right yeah and she will help it grow Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. So take a moment, mindfully weave your Bridget's cross. It can be any size, and there's different regional variations for the pattern. Teach me some melodious sonnet. Sung by flaming tongues above, praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Invocation to St. Bridget by John Irvine Dear St. Bridget of the Kine, bless these little fields of mine, the pastures and the shady trees, Bless the butter and the cheese. Bless the cows with coats of silk and the brimming pails of milk. Bless the hedgerows, and I pray, bless the seed beneath the clay. Bless the hay and bless the grass. Bless the seasons as they pass, and heaven's blessings will prevail. Bridget, Mary of the Gale. Interposed his precious blood. Okay, for the next part of our festivities, go get your favorite cow. If you're like Bridget, it's probably a white cow. Go get your favorite cow. Well, all of your animals. And we're going to take them to the holy well. Bridget's well. And get them a drink. Get them a blessing. St. Bridget's Well has existed as long as anybody can remember, and wells have always been holy in Ireland. They were sacred sites prior to the coming of Christianity. The land was sacred to our ancestors, sacred sites. And I think we have to remember that, mm-hmm. you know, to say, oh, that was then, that, you know. I mean, there was so much goodness and beauty and all the rest that we need to carry with us, no matter what or who or what or how. She was known for her ability to use this water and heal people miraculously, Hmm. especially people's eyes. And so if you have any eye troubles, Bridget knows what's up. So we go to the well. But Bridget also is known for her absolute love of animals in the earth. Some say she milked her cows down there and she did make the butter down there. And you see, she was very much a dairy maid. Same, she had great affinity with animals. And in a lot of the stories about her, they come to her help her in assistance. 
you know, all those little stories that we have about her. They're really about protecting the earth and caring for the animals. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Every time you see her depicted, she's just with a bunch of barnyard animals, and they're just out there working miracles. Disney princess yeah, style she's here. Yeah, so delightful. Cool. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Next, this probably wasn't a practice we would have done in the year 550, but we know it got very, very common by like the 17th century. On St. Bridget's Eve, among the many things that you do is take a cloth and put it outside, like lay it on a hedge and leave it out overnight. St. Bridget is going to come overnight and any cloth that you leave out, she will bless and it will hold the power of St. Bridget and you will use it for the whole year. Like midwives always had one on hand. Anytime somebody is sick, you use that to treat them like this is a powerful rag. (laughs) Awesome. And on February 1st, when we wake up, the world will come anew. Spring will be here. The first buds will be bursting from the ground. Winter will have lost its grip. And the new life will have come. Seal it for thy courts above. Okay, Olivia, what do you think about the phrase, to those who believe... All things are possible. Ah. A power of belief to yeah. make things real. I am right on the divide between scoffing at it mm. and firmly believing it with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, the... Uh, There's a divide between those two? I mean, I mean not like the divide, a like the I'm waffling back and forth. <laughs> If you catch me in any given second, I either think it's one or the other. No way. Mm. And then five minutes later, I might go, yes, you can. Well, I used to, I spent a couple of decades being very scientifically minded. And (laughs) I think just as a person, I'm just kind of requiring logic and evidence. But Mm. in the last few years, I can feel myself coming around Mm. again. I find it easier to believe in a world of magical thinking and somehow combine the two mm-hmm. like that it that the placebo effect is a real thing yeah and that's <laughs> the power of belief mm-hmm. and that that's the measure for any medicine to work like it has to work more than just belief belief yeah. works yeah but I also, over the summer, I read this book that I just cannot stop thinking about. And it's written, it's called You Are the Universe. It's written by oh, I've heard of Chopra yeah. and an astrophysicist. It was about the conscious universe and how we create it as we go. But also, it's all backed up with science. Amazing. Hmm. And it's all over social media these days about the... Uh, 2002 Nobel Prize winners Ah. in physics who proved that our immediate environment is not set until we observe it, until we create it. We do affect our reality. We do. Yeah, you change the particle by observing it. Right. Yeah. Call it belief. Call it faith. Call it physics. 
<laughs> Bridget's life story has always been held up as an example that to those who believe all things are possible. Hmm. Bridget of Kildare believed in the goodness of people. She believed that small actions are enough, that they're powerful, even magical. She died in perhaps 525. You have to be satisfied with approximations when you're talking about Bridget's life, you know. But it's been recorded in the Irish Annals as 524, I think 525. But Cogitosis in 650 describes her burial place and her resting place in the monastic site where you're going today. Now nothing, of course, remains. Cogitosis, the life of St. Bridget, 650 CE. One should not pass over in silence the miracle of the tomb of our most flourishing virgin, Bridget, next to an ornate altar, in a tomb adorned with a refined profusion of gold, silver, gems, and precious stones, with gold and silver chandeliers hanging from above, and different images presenting a variety of carvings and colors. Thus, on account of the growing number of the faithful of both sexes, a new reality is born in an age-old setting, that is, a church with its spacious site and its awesome height towering upwards. This church contains many windows and one finely wrought portal on the right side through which the priest and the faithful of the male sex enter the church, and a second portal on the left side through which the nuns and the congregation of women faithful are accustomed to enter. And so in one vast basilica, a large congregation of people of varying status, rank, sex, and local origin, prays to the omnipotent master, differing in status but one in spirit." And who can express in words the exceeding beauty of this church and the countless wonders of that monastic city we are speaking of? It is a vast and metropolitan city. In its suburbs, which St. Bridget had marked out by a definite boundary, no human foe or enemy attack is feared. On the contrary, together with all its outlying suburbs, it is the safest city of refuge in the whole land of the Irish, and the treasures of kings are kept there. And who can count the different crowds and numberless people flocking from all the provinces, some for the abundant feasting, others for the healing of their afflictions, others to watch the pageant of the crowds, others with great gifts and offerings, to join in the solemn celebration of the Feast of St. Bridget, who, freed from care, cast off the burden of the flesh and followed the Lamb of God into the heavenly mansions, having fallen asleep on the first day of the month of February. Nineteen holy women maintained that eternal fire for 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 years. The flame was never extinguished until Henry VIII and the uh. Tudors came along. Or perhaps it was Cromwell, we're not sure. Mm. But as part of the British occupation of Ireland, uh. they suppressed 
all the monasteries and the fire went out. Man. Which is why we needed a time machine to go back and see it. Yeah. Peak glory. I bet somebody smuggled a bit of it out oh. and it's still going somewhere. Well, funny you should say that. <gasps> Flash forward to 1992. <laughs> Sister Rita Minahan and two other nuns felt called to go to Kildare. When we came into Kildare, we came into a small little house in 1992 and it was really coming up to the new millennium and we wanted to look at Bridget in a new way and at ourselves and reclaim Bridget for a new millennium. Almost immediately the people began to arrive at our door and they were sitting on the floor and on the staircase and all. When we saw the impact her story had on those we ca who came, we said we really need to be thinking. Wow. ahead and dreaming, starting to dream. So the dream began almost immediately. And now we're going to go into a special room. And this is, is amazing. it is, it is, it is. It's different and it's amazing. And you probably notice the Bridget's cross in the ceiling. And just uh, to tell you, maybe if you sit down here for a moment, I'll just tell you a little bit about this, where we are in the British room, and uh, in front of me you see a little candle flame, and that has been tended here now for the past 30 years since we came into Kildare Town. We came in in 1992, and in 1993 there was a huge international conference on Bridget here in the town called Bridget, Prophetess, Earth Woman, Peacemaker. And as part of the conference, for the opening of the conference, we said we would relight the flame. And a big bowl of flame blazed over the square, up in the market square in Kildare Town that you were looking at yeah. last night. And uh, so a fire blazed there for the duration of the, the weekend. People got so excited about it, we all did. We said, we can't extinguish this, what's going to happen? So two Bridgeton sisters had just moved in, as I told you, into Dara Park in Kildare Town, the small house, and they decided they would take a spark from the flame that day. And that's the spark we have tended ever since. And it burns here today as a beacon of hope, justice and peace for our world. It's a candle flame. The wick, the light from the wick is transferred to another seven day candle. It burns first. But you know, that flame, it caught the imagination of people all over the world because people began to arrive at our door wanting to see the flame. Now I'm sure some of them were waiting for a big bowl of fire and then they saw this little fragile candle flame. But it's so important because we are all so fragile and our world is so fragile at this time and we need to tend that flame within us and within our world. And you will see it's nesting there, if you like, in a lovely piece of sculpture. It's bog oak, Irish bog oak. That may have been lying in the bogs of Ireland for anything between 2,000 and 7,000 years old. We don't know exactly. 
but a local sculptor sculpted two pieces from a clump of an oak tree reclaimed from bogland, and that is the beautiful sculpture we have holding our candle flame here today. It's an amazing story. And as you see the base of the candle flame, there are oak leaves associated again with Kildare and Bridget. Smithcraft. Did you notice the acorn up in the square? Yeah. The idea was, when we relit the flame, that that would burn as a naked flame up in the square and would burn eternally. Now Mary McLeese, the president, former president, was invited down to unveil the sculpture. Off the cuff she stood up and she said, we're so fortunate in Kildare to have a woman of the stature of British to remind us of how connected we are through the centuries, long before there was Protestant or Catholic. Before that again, when there was only that God of goodness and love. And before that again, she said, when we were a pagan people, but a prayerful people, a worshipping people. She is our bridge to those words. She is our connecting point. She's at the intersection of all those worlds. So she's our bridge to the, our Bridget. She concluded with the words, our Bridget. But, uh, you know, that is Bridget. You know, she connects us to the past and the present and the future. She's with us in the present, connecting us with the past and into the future. Wait, nun nuns can't just go do what they want. Like, uh, Bridgetine nuns can affiliated with anybody. They can just yeah, yeah. They oh. are a Catholic order of nuns, the Bridgetine sisters, and they just do what they want. Those three do, but they had. <laughs> I mean, like you're assigned a place. They tell yeah. you where you live. You. Isn't that great? I love it because actually, Sister Rita told me that very often when people visit and they hear what this center is all about, they kind of pull her aside and say. Does the Pope know about you? Yeah, how are you yes. getting away with this? Even when you said like what it was, I was like, how are these like yeah. little Catholic nuns? And it's even it's a spirituality this... center which is open to anyone of any faith, including pagans. It's amazing. Yeah, how are they getting away with this? Right. Yeah, because the church isn't what it used to be. Yeah, they're doing it, but they, I mean, this was an impossible dream when they first dared to go there. You yeah. know, everything about it, even in hindsight, knowing they achieved it, even in hindsight, we're like, how? <laughs> yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> which brings me back to that idea, which is so often celebrated in stories of St. Bridget, that nothing is impossible if you believe. Hmm. That it has been the North Star for the Bridgeting sisters. Wow. And <laughs> this is the coolest dream of all. And I'd have to tell you this, I'm not boastful, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> but we actually got into the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> what? Yeah, we actually got in. In 2013, we had the land, but we hadn't started building. Uh, we were coming out of deep recession in Ireland, economic recession, and uh, 
the government wanted to entice back as many of the diaspora and visitors to Ireland as possible to boost the whole economy and get it moving again. So they um, had a year, they called it the gathering year, when we'd gather back our clans from all over the world and people from all over the world to come back. And we applied for a grant. We said we'd be part of this too. So uh, we got a grant, a flagship, and for, to hold a, a week-long series of events to bring people back to Ireland. And um, one of our flagship events was that we would gather as many people as possible and get them to weave a St. Bridget's Cross and set a world record. So we wrote to the Guinness World Record book, there was nothing in the book, and asked permission if we could set the world record and how we would do it. And they wrote back and they said they would be delighted if we would set a world record. So we had workshops and workshops and workshops and the preparation was something enormous. You don't get into the Guinness Book of Records too lightly, I must say. <laughs> I know that now. I, know I didn't know it. I probably would never have undertaken it. They, uh, with uh, Cord of Reed, a member, a friend of Bridget, the two of us headed it. And uh, so we gathered 357 people in the parish church in Kildare Town because we couldn't fit anywhere else. And they all wove a St. Bridget's Cross. And they did it, we didn't, you know, there was tremendous excitement, but we tried to get them doing it as mindfully as possible. And the NC on the day told them to weave the cross and as they wove, to weave in their families and their friends and their hopes and their dreams for themselves and all that into the Bridget's Cross as they were weaving it. So it was a beautiful ceremony and three hours dead silence and you could hear everybody, the kicking of the rushes in the parish church. It was so silent. There were 352 recognisable Bridget's Crosses at the end of the day. They all had four arms and the centre. <laughs> and we processed everything, got it, everything drawn up, sent it. And then about November that year, we got a letter from Guinness World to say we were officially amazing. We had entered the Guinness World Record. <laughs> and it hasn't been beaten since. Every group that come, we challenge them to go and do it. But <laughs> But I think they're wise, probably wiser than we were. And the number today is 352. 352. 352. And I sat in that room with Sister Rita and talked about the flame and the center and just the sheer number of people who just roll up every day or just from all over the world who are called there for some reason or another these children from the local school it really has this sense of like the whole world convenes there in a beautiful like peaceful happy kind of way cool the architect had the idea of having a Bridget's Cross, but we wanted circle or rooms because we feel kind of circles are the way forward yeah. in the sense of everyone is linked in a circle, not ranked, yeah. and they're very feminine. And we wanted that kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And he said, you want a Bridget's Cross and you want circular rooms. And he went away. And if you notice, the arms of the cross are creating circular and semicircular rooms, so they're nesting in the, the arms of the Bridget's Cross. 
But the best news of all, perhaps, is that uh, Ireland is preparing for Bridget 1500, <laughs> 1500th anniversary in 2024, and her day is going to be a national holiday. Oh, cool. For the very first time. You know, and now as we work towards Bridget 1500 mm -hmm. and a national holiday for Bridget, it can only grow and grow and grow. I'll be there. But hopefully somebody else will be fronting it and leading it <laughs> into the future. All right. So I feel like I need cool. to go there for that. I know. I know. I think all of us are thinking that now, which is why I want to put the episode out now, because I'm like, we need to get ready. Yeah. The good news is that the Solus Breed Center actually welcomes visitors to stay. They have three little hermitages oh. out in their rewilding center. Tiny oh. little cottages. You can stay there. This is every bit of my jam. Like, this I know. Whole, every bit of this. Is... I know. <laughs> we have three little hermitages here. Faith, hope, and love. People can come take time out to stay here. You know, for wow. quiet time. And just get away from it all, if you like. And get feel renewed in mind, body, and spirit. And as you can see, the grounds outside, we're rewilding as much as possible. You know, and... Uh, kind of trying to promote as much biodiversity as possible in the grounds. When we came in here, there were about two cow, those are cowslips here, just outside. Mm -hmm. There were about two. And this year the place was full because we weren't cutting the grass too often and just allowing nature to take its course. And, and that bank over there, it's rewilding bank again. It's a restorative act of kindness for the earth. You know, our ancestors, knew intuitively what scientists are telling us now about the interconnectedness of all creation in the last few years. And if we ever needed a pandemic to tell us anything, it is about how interconnected we all are, you know, and how we need to care for planet Earth. So uh, faith, hope and love are our three little hermitages oh, there. Credit docus agus gra in Gaelic. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. I know. This place. <sighs> Just uh, to bring you here, this is our prayer space. Our prayer quiet room, we call it the prayer space. People can come in here at any time and just be part of it. Yeah. Mm. And hopefully feel at home here. We love to send peace out from this place because we, it is a very peaceful, peaceful place. Yeah. So we move. If that's okay, yes. we just move further. So this was kind of quite a new venture for us. Do you feel like St. Bridget has guided you in, in this change? Yeah, very much so because it just didn't come out of the blue. It came out of a lot of discernment and a lot of prayer, and so many things have happened. Now, some would say a coincidence, but I would see it more as a God incident than coincidences mm -hmm. that happened to assure us we are where we're meant to be.
Cogitosis, the Life of St. Bridget, 650 CE. And in accordance with the saying, all things are possible to those who believe, she went on working countless miracles every day without anything ever proving impossible. such a big dream. Yes. You didn't know if you dared to dream it. Yeah. What's the next dream now? What's well, the next dream now, I think, is the succession plan. Ah. Passing on mm. the baton. You know, who's going to carry this into the future. So we're discerning and we're praying and we're looking and we're searching and, you know, the right people will come. Mm -hmm. And I hope they come soon. <laughs> Bridget's life straddles the pre-Christian Christian era and she belongs almost to both worlds. She moved from the pre-Christian world into the Christian world. Mm. So she's a bridge that connects us and that very much so in our world today as well. Mm. It's extraordinary uh, through our experience here of people of all faiths and no faiths that all can seemingly find uh, a home under her cloak or under her banner. Good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. I don't know what I've said now, so I hope yeah. I haven't heard <laughs> that Rome won't be excommunicating. <laughs> Special thanks to Sister Rita Minahan and Phil and all the team at Solis Brite, including the children from St. Bridget's School that I was able to meet and speak to for keeping alive the story of St. Bridget. If you want to learn more, we have you covered. We've got links on our website, a brand new authoritative biography about St. Bridget, which I really enjoyed, and also coming out December 2022, Rita Minahan's book, second edition, Rekindling the Flame, A Pilgrimage in the Footsteps of Bridget of Kildare. We'll also link to the Solis Brede Center on our website. I cannot recommend it enough to go and visit, go and stay, visit the town, the cathedral, the well. We will link to the center on our website where you can also find pictures from my trip and all kinds of St. Bridget iconography. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook where we post all kinds of additional content each week. This episode was recorded on site by Mark Nelson with music by Maria Jonas and Fiddlesticks. 
and our theme song was by Daniel Foster Smith. Our interns are Olivia Follet and Katie Boucher. Don't forget to check out our upcoming trips on our website, whatshernamepodcast.com. Thank you so much for donating. Thanks for listening. Registration is now open on What's Your Name's Yucatan Tour 2024. Join us in Mexico as we walk in the footsteps of Zazel Ha, learn traditional Mayan cooking, tour Mayan ruins, snorkel with sea turtles, and so many more off-the-beaten-track adventures with our wonderful little band of kindred spirits. Spots are going fast, so sign up now on our website at whatsyournamepodcast.com. We can't wait to see you there.